someone uh, shared a video with me last week uh, of a man shouting, at, shouting using one of these loudspeakers at a dog walker who had just let her dog poop on his lawn. Now, I don't know the whole story. All I saw is this short video. But instead of s- simply talking to her, maybe he already had. We don't know that. Uh, but he shouts at her through the loudspeaker with the siren going and everything. And he films himself doing it. And then he uploads the video to social media so that we can all share in his outrage. And uh, that's one of the realities at the moment are these two things called outrage culture and cancel culture. Outrage culture and cancel culture. And they're two kind of monster trends which we see on social media at the moment. Now, if you're not really, if you don't know what cancel culture and outrage culture are, here are some useful useful definitions. So outrage culture, this is what the RBC... uh, RBH communication says that they say that outrage culture is a set of behaviors usually displayed on social media that aim to hold individuals and groups accountable for alleged political and social transgressions through public shaming. Hands up if you've ever seen any outrage culture on social media. (laughs) Uh, Holding holding people accountable through public shaming. You know, it's... Makes you think of that moment when Christ saw that woman and those people were there with the rocks ready to stone her, right? That's outrage culture in a nutshell. But then outrage culture's um, friend, maybe cousin, is cancel culture, which according to Merriam-Webster is when a, was when a group of people stop giving support to usually a celebrity or some other well-known uh, well-known person. The act of cancelling, not counselling, cancelling could entail maybe boycotting an actor's movies or no longer reading uh, or promoting a writer's works. Hands up if you've seen any, any instances of cancel culture on social media, right? So over the past year or two, we've seen Justin Trudeau cancelled. We've seen J.K. Rowling cancelled. We've seen Trump cancelled. We've seen Ellen cancelled. The so-called right can- cancels the so-called left, and the so-called left cancels the so-called right. And If we're honest, if we're on social media at all, then it's hard to avoid both cancel culture and outrage culture. But what outrage culture says, it says this. It says, listen to me. I have a voice. I'm outraged, so listen to me, right? That's what outrage culture said. Whereas cancel culture says, I'm not listening to you. You don't have a voice. Uh, You are cancelled, therefore I'm not listening to you. But what do you think is the outcome, the logical outcome, when someone like me learns to say to someone who I don't agree with, listen to me, and by the way, I'm not listening to you, okay? And, but then what happens if they in turn say to me, listen to me, but I'm not listening to you? Where do we end up? Well, all I know is that there's not a lot of listening going on. There's not a lot of growing or learning or experiencing someone else's viewpoint. And sometimes, if we're not super careful, we can cancel voices that we should be listening to because all we can hear is the noise of our own outrage. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at ordinary guy Jesus, the next door Jesus. And then last week, we looked at fall guy Jesus, the one who took our place on the cross. And we looked at the different theories of atonement. Number one, 
moral influence, where Jesus is our example. Number two, ransom theory, um, where Jesus is our ransom. Uh, third, we looked at Christus Victor, where Jesus is our hero or our victor. And number four, uh, penal substitution, where Jesus is our substitute. And this morning, as we're continuing our journey through Isaiah 53, we're now going to look at cancelled Christ, at Jesus who is cancelled. We see Jesus who is silenced. We see people saying to him, I don't want to listen to you. So we had, we had ordinary guy Jesus, we had fall guy Jesus, and now we have cancelled Jesus. And so we will be looking at specifically this moment where Jesus could no longer be heard, where he was silenced. And we will be looking at how he was silenced or cancelled in three ways. First, he was cancelled through his own silence. Uh, secondly, he was cancelled through the silence of others. And third, he was cancelled through the silence of the grave. So cancelled through his own silence, cancelled through the silence of others, and thirdly, cancelled through the silence of the grave. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll uh, start to look at the uh, first one. Lord, uh, may your word truly come alive. Lord, may we hear you. Um, yes, it may be me. Uh, which is the voice, Lord, but may you have the message, and may you speak powerfully into our lives, whether we're here in our in-person congregation or whether we're watching online in our online congregation. Lord, we need you because everything else that happens this morning is for nothing if uh, you aren't here, Lord, and so we ask that, that you would speak in might and in power through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so first let's look at how Jesus was cancelled through his own silence. He self-cancelled. And so what I'd like you, you to imagine in your mind is that someone's got some, some duct tape, or Jesus has got duct, duct tape, and he's just put this duct tape over his mouth, okay? Uh, so let's look at verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 7 of Isaiah 53 says this. Uh, he, was, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So here in this verse, we see that Jesus is, is both oppressed and he's silent. He's, he's, he's afflicted and he's silent. He's led like a lamb to the slaughter, and he was quiet. He was like a sheep going to the shearers, and he said nothing. So in the face of, 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 of oppression, Jesus was silent. Um, now, we have to be careful here not to draw um, a false parallel um, with what Jesus did and what we should do, right? Uh, this verse isn't saying that because Jesus bore suffering in silence that we should too. That's not the lesson that we should learn here. Sometimes it's absolutely vital that we speak out um, um, when we see things like this happening in our own lives or in the lives of those around. But the point I'm making is that at this unique moment in human history, uh, we have Jesus, who's God's son, looking, looking at his, his own death in the face at the hands of humans, and he does not open his mouth. He says nothing, okay? Remember earlier I said that cancelling is someone is when we say to them, you don't have a voice. Well, here Jesus is choosing. He's, he's pointing at himself, and he's saying, you don't have a voice. Uh, he's mute. He's cancelling himself from the chance that he has to object at his own mistreatment. 
Now, a few days earlier on Palm Sunday, which is what we're uh, remembering this this morning, Jesus was a rising star, right? He's riding into riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Folks are shouting, Hosanna, save us. You know, that, that uh, he's, he's really trending at that moment. You know, there's, you know, if they had hashtags then, it would be hashtag Hosanna in the highest everywhere, right? Jesus was super popular. He was all over Twitter, but now he's oppressed, you know, by the Romans and the Jewish leaders. Um, and in the face of that oppression, Jesus is silent. He self-canceled. He said nothing. But he wasn't only cancelled through his own silence, he was also cancelled through the silence of others. Verse 8 of Isaiah 53 says this. It says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression or the sin of my people, he was punished. That, that part, yet who of his generation protested. You know, what we have to remember is that Jesus was sinless. He was absolutely, he was absolutely perfect. He never did anything wrong. And when someone, when someone is sinless, when someone has done something wrong, people usually speak up for them and say, hey, that's not fair. So, so Simon Peter should have spoken up at the fire in Luke chapter 22, but instead he said, no, I don't know, and, and probably said a really bad word at the same time. Uh, you know, the false witnesses should have spoken up in Matthew chapter 26, but no one did. Uh, the disciples should have stuck by him in Matthew chapter 26, but instead they fled. Um, the, the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, should have set him free, but they didn't. Pontius Pilate should have, have, have let him go after all. He said in Luke chapter 23 verse 4, he said, I find no fault in this man, but he, but he allowed the roar of the crowd uh, to silence him. Those who should have spoken up chose not to. And so in the words of Isaiah 53, verse 3, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, Jesus was rejected by mankind. He was cancelled through the silence of others. And lastly, Jesus was cancelled through the silence of the grave. Verse 9 of Isaiah 53 says this, verse 9, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no, no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now, this poet, John Keats, talks about the icy silence of the tomb, right? There's not a lot of noise going on in the tomb. Um, Psalm 31, verse 7 says this, let, let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But, but, but let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead or in the grave. And so the grave is the place of ultimate silence. And according to Psalm 31, like, like we just read, it's where the wicked rest in silence. And yet, here in, here in Isaiah 53, we see that Jesus was assigned a grave with the wicked. We've looked at three ways in which, in which Jesus was cancelled. He was cancelled by his own silence. He was cancelled by the silence of others. And he was cancelled by the silence of the grave, the ultimate silence from which there is no return. Now, the question is, Why? Why did the king of kings, who's worthy of everyone's praise, everyone's adoration, how could he, of all people, choose the root of silence, the root of, of cancellation? 
Well, I think the answer is this. And, yeah, we should listen to this. I think that he chose cancellation um, or silence because, A, he trusted God, and, B, because he knew his mission. A, he trusted God, and, B, he knew his, his mission. Now, First Peter chapter 2, verse 23, shows us how trusting God gave Jesus the strength inside him to endure in silence. It, it says this, First uh, Peter 2. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, and this is the key word, instead he entrusted him to him, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so Jesus' deep relational trust in the goodness of his father and the justice of his father empowered him to walk this lonely road of silence, of self-cancellation. You see, like I already mentioned, if there was one person on earth who had the right, you know, to stamp his foot and to say, this is not fair, it was him. He was absolutely perfect. He did everything right and he did nothing wrong. Every single human motive that led to him hanging on the cross was either spurious or from uh, maybe jealousy or fear or pride. Uh, but... But Jesus trusted in God, and it was that trust that put a zip on Jesus' lips in the face of the injustice that he faced. So, so G, but secondly, Jesus was silent, not just because he trusted God, but also because he knew his mission. And this is absolutely vital. You see, uh, Isaiah 42, which is also a messianic writing, like Isaiah chapter 53, says this of Jesus. Now, I want you, as I'm reading this, to listen to how many times justice is mentioned. It says, here is my servant who I'm uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he, he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth Justice, he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. And so Jesus' mission, according to Isaiah 42, was to firstly bring forth justice and secondly to establish justice here on earth, right? And now, now this to me sounds like it's a two-stage process. He first of all brings forth justice and secondly, he establishes it. Now, what this shows me, and I hope what this shows us, is that Jesus' Jesus sacrifice on the cross was not just about your personal salvation, right? It was about something more than that. It, it, it was not just about making you right with him. Instead, Jesus' mission in Isaiah 42 was, it was a global mission. It was a cosmic mission. It was a mission of first bringing forth and pioneering justice, and secondly, making it really take root around the world. And so Jesus was silent in the face of injustice that he was facing because he knew that his silence and his death and his resurrection, that through these he would bring about a, a, a revolution in which the true systemic injustices of pride and hate and sin and self-seeking and unrighteousness would be um, ruined, would be ruined. So to help us understand that, I'd like you to imagine uh, a world in which a 
in which an evil criminal organization runs everything, okay? Maybe you think that's actually what happens, and I know that there are people who think that, but, uh, you know, let's just have that in our minds, okay? An evil criminal organization runs everything, the multinationals, uh, the education system, you know, the governments, the um, NGOs, commerce, industry, trade, it's all run by this evil criminal organization, and so you you aren't able to avoid them because they're everywhere. And they make life miserable for everyone. But they're absolutely, but no one's able to touch them because they're super, super powerful and super strong. But there's this hero of the people who's been fighting them for years and years and years. And, you know, he's um, there on the fringes and he uh, maybe hangs out with, with the homeless. And he just week after week, he shows what the truth of this organization is, whilst also speaking out and showing a different way of living. Now, as he exposes them, um, this makes them mad. It, it, it really drives them mad because a huge part of their success has been about living under the radar um, and letting their, their evil influence spread quietly and sneakily, hoping that no one actually realizes that they exist. And so they've wanted to silence this outspoken hero for years, but he's been really hard for them to catch because he's always on the move. He's always hanging out with the fringe people or he shows up in large crowds of people who love him. And so if they were to take him out, it would make them look really bad. But then one day, shock of all shocks, he shows up outside the outside the headquarters of this worldwide criminal organization. And while he's outside, the news networks who are owned by the criminal organization realize he's there, and so they show up. This rebel has finally allowed himself to be caught. And so he's there in front of the cameras, you know, when the media, um, uh, you know, meet him and they ask him things, and then they say that he said certain things which he never usually said, and then they bring out... Witnesses that make him look really bad, and then they, you know, and then they make a deep fake video that makes it look like he's saying stuff that he never said, or that he was in places that he never was. Um, but there, in front of the headquarters, with the new, with the world's press looking at him, he never contradicts one word of what they say. He's just silent, and the silence makes him look really guilty. Because if he wasn't, because if he was pure, if he'd never done anything, then surely he would say something. And so the people write him off, and they write, and, you know, and, and, and they write tweets about him. This hashtag cancel the so-called hero is everywhere. Um, outrage, loads of outrage, loads of cancelling. And then after the media trial has ended, this former hero is then uh, moved. Um, through the front doors of the organization, and he's moved into the headquarters, and he's locked in the deepest cell, far, far underground, awaiting that moment when he will die. And those who hate him are absolutely happy, because they have him. They've made him look really bad, and now they're able to silence him forever. But what they don't realize is that this hero has snuck a really powerful bomb in with him. And, they, and they've missed it 
because it's a one of a kind. It's wired into his nervous system. And, uh, and, and so the first part of this bomb is high explosives. And the second part of this bomb is a super powerful electromagnetic pulse, which, which will knock out all their computers. And the third part is a, is a computer virus. So it's super powerful, and they have no idea. And so, and so after being tortured and after being uh, hurt, he's, um, he's eventually executed. And as he's executed, this thing happens. He has, he, he has a dead man switch in his head, which then makes this bomb go off. And the explosives rip through uh, the enemy headquarters, through the, through the offices and the conference rooms and the torture chambers and their interrogation rooms. It's all ripped, ripped into shreds. Meanwhile, this EMP, this electromagnetic pulse, goes off. It shuts down all of their, all of their computers, all their internet connection. Um, but, but right before that happens, the, uh, this third part of the bomb, this virus, goes out and it spreads around the world to all of their outposts and their safe houses and their international operations around the world. They are ruined. And so in one moment... This evil, evil organization is reduced from a globally connected um, super powerhouse that no one can touch into these remnant, isolated factions in various places around the world. It's, it's like a bee that has lost its sting. It's like a dog that has been, been declawed and defanged. And so the, this one thing that they thought would guarantee their success, this, this hero's death, has ruined them. And here's the beauty of the hero's plan. You see, if he'd have spoken up, if he'd have said something at the hand of his enemies in, in full view of the world's press, he would, have, he would have never gotten into the enemy headquarters. His silence in the face of oppression was his plan. And so he allowed himself to be canceled because he had a larger plan. And, you know, in the same way Jesus was canceled, because, uh, he was cancelled through his own silence, he was cancelled through the silence of others, and he was cancelled through the silence of the grave because he had a larger plan. He had a plan for the ruining of injustice and darkness and sin around the world and the establishment of the kingdom of true righteousness and uh, where he is the king. And so here's the amazing thing, is that since that moment that Jesus was cancelled 2,000 years ago, there have been men and women, and teens, and there have been children around the world who have shared the news of this cancelled Jesus. So you might say that since he was cancelled, Jesus has gone viral ever since. And, uh, and since that moment that he rose from the dead, and since that moment in Acts chapter 2, where the doors of the church were absolutely blown off because of the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to leave you with a scripture. It's a scripture that's found in Acts chapter 8, verse 32. And while you're found it, finding it, let me make um, one or two links for you. Acts chapter 8, verse 32. So our main scripture this morning was Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, which was, which was recorded at least 700 years before Jesus lived. And these, and these verses in Isaiah 53 talk about Jesus's silence, right? And then 700 years later, in Matthew 26, verse 63, we read that Jesus indeed was silent in the face of, uh, 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 of his accusers. 
And then we also read in, in Isaiah 53, written 700 years earlier, that the suffering servant was assigned a grave with the wicked, but then he was actually buried with the rich, which is a weird thing to note, that he was assigned a criminal grave, but then he was buried with the rich. But then in Matthew chapter 27, verse 38, we read that Jesus was, was crucified with a criminal on his left and right. And the normal practice is that if you're a criminal and you're crucified with criminals, is that you would end up in a grave with the other criminals. But then in Matthew 27, verse 58, we read that this guy, this rich guy called Joseph of Arimathea, you know, actually asked for Jesus' corpse, and he went and he buried him in his tomb. And so it's amazing that in Isaiah 53, we uh, read that, that, um, that, that he was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was buried with the rich. Once again, an incredible fulfillment of the prophecy that happened 700 years, late, uh, 700 years earlier. So why, why do I tell you this? Because what I want you to realize is that this prophecy in Isaiah 53 is clearly fulfilled in many, many ways. I've only told you maybe two here, uh, 700 years later, in Matthew chapter 26 and Matthew chapter 27. And, and so, but that's not where it ends. Isaiah 53's impact, it, it moves on past Matthew chapter 26. So let's fast forward to Acts chapter 8, where we have have this account of Philip, um, who's a Greek evangelist, and he's talking with an Ethiopian man out in the middle of nowhere. Now this this Ethiopian man is part of the court of of Queen, Queen Candace. So he's a powerful man from another country. And what is he talking about in Acts chapter 8? Well, he's talking about Isaiah 53 verses 7 through nine. So in Acts chapter eight, um, you know, I, I find this really exciting. Uh, but in Acts chapter eight, this is what it says, starting at verse 32. Uh, it says, um, it says, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch, this guy from Ethiopia, was reading. It says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? Then the eunuch asked Philip, uh, would you tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage in Isaiah chapter um, 53. Um, He began with that very passage of scripture and told him of the good news about Jesus. Right? So so I, I love that because... Because this, because this, because these words from from Isaiah fifty three were fulfilled in Matthew chapter twenty six and seven, and it's this, it's this prophecy that is the quote unquote good news about Jesus that's explained by a Greek to an influential court official who's who's on his way home. Um, back to Ethiopia, and that, and that this man at this moment in Acts chapter 8, he's then transformed, he's saved, uh, you know, and then he's actually baptized, and then he goes home um, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as someone who is speaking this truth about Jesus Christ from Isaiah 53. In other words, all that to say, Jesus wasn't silenced, right? Jesus was not silenced. You know, he may have been cancelled by his own science. He may have been cancelled by the science of others and by the silence of the grave. But Jesus' message of hope 
has been shared from person to person over the past uh, 2,000 years, from the Jews into the Greeks, you know, and then to the Ethiopians. Out and out it goes, these kind of ripple effects, ending up this morning here in Canada. Jesus, who was cancelled, who was silent, is, is now absolutely viral. And one day, one day, we will see the global and the cosmic reality of, of Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, which says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, so, so friends, the, the same Jesus who was cancelled will one day be acknowledged by every tongue. And so my question for you this morning is, what will you do with him? Will you continue and be outraged at the claim that he has on your life? Or will you be awestruck at the sacrifice that he made for you? Will you choose to cancel him? Or, or, or will you choose to acknowledge him? Will you, will, will you choose to avoid him? Or will you choose to, to worship him? Will you choose to ignore him? Or will you choose to kneel in front of him? This is your choice and mine as well.